Welcome everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Hey everyone, so this episode is going to be a little unorthodox because it's just going to be me. Virginia is taking a well-earned sabbatical for the holidays and everyone at rest here has been working so hard to expand the reach of rest to bring you guys brand new packages and app, the ability to book appointments online and create group discussions so that everyone who needs access to rest can absolutely have it. And also at the same time, you know, protect your time and protect your treasures. So we're working really hard to do that. But because it is just me, I'm going to read you a little bit of a story that I heard back in history class, actually, probably when I was in junior high. And I heard about it again recently. And I thought that it'd be great to share with you all because I don't know how many people actually know about this part of World War One and that this even happened. I'm reading this from Botanica.com. I think that it does a really good job of explaining both sides of what was going on. So I'm going to go ahead and read this story for you guys. It's called Christmas Truth. The countries of Europe went to war in the summer of 1914 with enthusiasm and the belief that the conflict would be over by Christmas of that year. Within only a few months, however, hundreds of thousands of soldiers had been killed in heavy fighting. The German advance had been checked at the Marne and the race to the sea between Germany and the Allies had been played out at Ypres. The result was a bloody stalemate with a front that stretched far from the Swiss border to the North Sea. By December 1914, the reality of trench warfare had settled in and heavy weeks of rain had turned both the trenches and the no man's land that separated them into a cold, muddy morass. For those on the Western Front, daily life was miserable, but it was a misery that was shared by enemies who were, in some places, separated by 50 yards or less. The men in the trenches had seen battle, but they were as yet untouched by the worst horrors that World War I would produce. In early December, an attempt was made to secure an official truce for the holidays. Pope Benedict XV had descended to the papacy just a month after the outbreak of war, and on December 7th, he issued an appeal to the leaders of Europe that the guns may fall silent at least upon the night the angels sang. Benedict's hope was that a truce would allow the warring powers to negotiate a fair and lasting peace, but there was little interest from leaders on either side. This did not stop soldiers at the front from seizing the initiative, however, when outside events seemed to provide a path to the truce that their leaders had rejected. As December 25th approached, the constant soaking rain gave way to frost and the battlefields of Flanders were blanketed with a light dusting of snow. German Emperor William II contributed to the holiday atmosphere when he sent Tenenbaum, or Christmas trees, to the front in an effort to bolster morale. On December 23rd, German soldiers began placing the trees outside their trenches. They sang hymns such as Still Nacht or Silent Night, and voices from the Allied lines responded with Christmas carols of their own. While there were relatively few British troops who spoke German, many Germans had worked in Britain before the war, and this experience facilitated communication between the two groups. Saxon troops, in particular, were credited with initiating a dialogue with the British. Soldiers on both sides regarded the Saxons as amiable and trustworthy, and the Christmas truce had the most success in areas where British troops faced Saxon regiments. The truce was not widely adopted in French-controlled areas of the front, German soldiers had spent 1914 overrunning a huge swath of French territory and 
animus toward the occupiers was too strong. There was also no equivalent truce on the Eastern Front as Russia was still operating under the Julian calendar. And so the Russian Orthodox Christmas would not be observed until early January. By Christmas Eve, some lower-ranking British officers had begun ordering their men not to fire unless fired upon. This policy came to be known as live and let live, and it would be adopted on an ad hoc basis throughout the war, particularly in less active sectors. Like all implementations of live and let live, the officers' decisions were made without any authorization from above, and the tenuous truce slowly started to take hold. As morning broke on Christmas Day, German soldiers emerged from their trenches, waving their arms to demonstrate that they had no ill intent. When it became clear that they were not carrying weapons, British soldiers soon joined them, meeting in no man's land to socialize and exchange gifts. Censorship had not yet been imposed on letters home, and British soldiers wrote of playing football or soccer and sharing food and drink with men who had been just a day earlier their mortal enemies. These accounts stress that the men themselves could scarcely believe the remarkable events that were transpiring around them and that they recognized, even in the moment, their unique and historic significance. All was not frivolity, however, as some of the most common activities in areas observing the Christmas truce were joint services to bury the dead. Perhaps recognizing that the peace surely could not last, both sides also used the cessation of hostilities to improve and reinforce their trenches. There were some casualties as a result of the non-universal implementation of the truce, and even among the units which observed the ceasefire, not all men approved of the decision. In the days following Christmas, violence returned to the Western Front, although the truce persisted until after New Year's Day in some areas. While the truce could not have succeeded without the endorsement of junior officers on both sides, British and German generals quickly took steps to prevent any further episodes of fraternization between their men. Still, there were no court-martials or punishments linked to the events of the Christmas truce. Senior commanders likely recognized the disastrous effect that such a move would have on morale in the trenches. Attempts to revive the truce on Christmas Day 1915 were quashed, and there were no subsequent widespread ceasefires on the Western Front until the armistice of November 1918. So with the story of the Christmas truce, I think that we all could do something for ourselves this year. Maybe there's an ongoing war in your life. Maybe it's with yourself. Maybe it's with a friend or a family member. And maybe it's time to call for a truce. And if you don't know what exactly what a truce is, I know that a lot of us have heard that word, but it means a temporary cessation to admit a negotiation. So maybe it's time to reconcile whatever it is that's going on. And I know that even in my own family, when there's been a feud going on, even for years, which we have had before, a lot of times you get to the point to where you don't even remember what it was about anymore. You just have this feeling inside of you that something is really wrong. And you know you don't know why you don't like this person, or you don't know why you can't get along with them, or why you get this feeling when they walk into a room. You don't remember. So why keep holding on to it? Why not just make a truce, talk about it? And if there's something to reconcile, then reconcile it. And you know, with Christmas season, the ultimate gift is freedom. And a lot of people may not recognize Jesus outside of a historical figure, but his birth brought peace and freedom to the world. 
in many ways. And in John 14, 27, he says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And, you know, all of us have gone through a rough time the past few years, and that's to say the least of it. And a lot of us are still trying to come back from that. And, you know, these past few years, we've all gone through a lot. And that is to say the absolute least of it. But I think it's time that we embrace the ultimate gift of freedom this season by gifting ourselves reconciliation from the things holding us captive. It's time to gift ourselves peace. And the best way to do that is to call the truce, even if it's with yourself. And, you know, when it comes to not being afraid, it takes faith. And in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And again, if you don't recognize the Bible as more than a historical book, that's okay. That's okay. But I think you'll still find peace in knowing that you were created with a purpose, just as Jesus was born with a purpose to gift us freedom, to gift us healing, and to gift us liberty. And so with that, everyone here at rest, including myself, wishes you a very Merry Christmas, and we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Merry Christmas. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you would like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.